Welcome to Shopaholics Japan, a podcast about life in Japan and the amazing Japanese products we can't live without. I'm Grant, your host for this week. As always, this podcast is powered by World Shopping, which makes online shopping on Japanese stores easy. On this episode, we're chatting pro wrestling in Japan. Pro wrestling fandom in Japan is a unique subculture with a very active and passionate fan base. Joining me to chat all about it is a special guest. So guest, please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Karen Peterson. I write for Post Wrestling, and I am a former JET program participant, so I lived in Japan for five years. Thanks for joining me today. I suppose we should start at square one. How did you get into Japanese pro wrestling? Interestingly enough, I didn't follow Japanese wrestling when I lived in Japan. It wasn't until I went to a WWE house show here in Orlando where they were getting ready to debut a Japanese wrestling talent by the name of Kenta in 2014. He won the main event with another wrestler who's wildly popular in WWE named Finn Balor. After the show, they went around the ring and like took pictures with all the fans. And it was my first show. <laughs> so we took a picture together and... I asked my friend, I'm like, who, who, who is this guy? And they're like, he was very famous in this Japanese promotion called Noah. And I you know, hopped on the internet and I was like, this man is amazing. I want to know more. And it just kind of spiraled from there. You and me are big fans of Puro Resu, as they call it in Japan. But for the listeners who aren't as primed as we are, let's run down some basics about the Japanese wrestling scene. What are some of the signature features of Japanese pro wrestling? What makes it stand out compared to the West? I think one of the biggest things is that there's a, a very large separation between men's promotions and women's promotions in Japan.、Mm. Uh, in the United States, we're, in particular, we're very, I'm guessing people, many people are familiar with World Wrestling Entertainment or WWE or All Elite Wrestling, AEW, which are both on broad, broadcasted TV、uh, nationwide and international on various different carriers. In Japan, it's very much, you either have to pay for separate.、Uh, Streaming service for each individual promotion that you follow.、Um, but yeah, like men and women's promotions in general have a very long history of professional wrestling, but a very separate history.、Mm. Uh, two promotions in particular that in the last year celebrated their 50th anniversaries was New Japan Pro Wrestling as well as All Japan Pro Wrestling. And you know, 50 years is an absolute. Like, I'm 43, so I can't, I can't imagine you know, a company that, <laughs> like that being around like, longer than I have. But For me, I'm still relatively a new fan, having discovered it back in. I started getting serious about it probably in 2017. We're used to very rowdy crowds at all sporting events, whether it's wrestling or football or baseball.、Uh, Japanese crowds tend to be a bit more reserved. They're often very, very quiet. So, unless there's a very big moment in a match. But yeah, it, it's, they, they have their own way of pageantry, they have their own different kinds of entrance musics. More and more, as these companies venture abroad or send their talent abroad to participate in international promotions, they are bringing some of that cult,、um, like、international culture back into Japan. But there's still some things about it that are very unique about it. For WWE, every springtime is WrestleMania season. So that's their biggest marquee event of the year. It started out with just WWE, but now every year it's expanded into. Multiple promotions all descending upon the location of where WrestleMania is, and it's become like a, a nearly a week long festival of just wrestling. You can go、nice. to different <laughs> venues and watch, like, like you can, there's like a little bit of something for everybody, whether it's like women's wrestling or intergender wrestling or men's wrestling or hard, hardcore death matches. There's a little <laughs> bit of everything. But in Japan, what's really great is like the New Year's, like that, you know, at the end of the year, beginning of the year, they have. 
uh, all those like special TV programs on, you know, on TV, whether it's like variety TV or, you know, the, the Kohaku Utagasen, like the, the singing show or like the Johnny's Countdown. But that first week in Japan for wrestling, that's their version of that. So it's like mm. every single promotion, it started out with New Japan running the Tokyo Dome. But now it's like everywhere you go around Tokyo, there's other shows that you can see. Especially, And now that travel's opened up, more international talent is being able to perform on these shows, as well as international travelers are able to go to these shows. Like, I went back in 2020, right before the pandemic happened, and I was... I had the opportunity to either go to the dome this year, uh, this this January, or go to a different show that was back in November. And I chose the November show for a very important <laughs> reason. But yeah, it, it's what I love about going to a show in Japan. And this is a very big one because I'm short. I'm about five foot four or like 165 centimeters for those in the metric system. They sit, they stay seated the entire time. So I can see what's going on <laughs> at, at, at sporting events, especially wrestling in particular in the States. People stand a lot of the time. They, they buy a nice expensive seat and they stand the entire time. And I inevitably end up with someone like that's a good foot and a half taller than me or someone who's like very, very large in the shoulders and I can't see around them. So, yeah, if you want to go <laughs> enjoy professional <laughs> wrestling, go to Japan. And especially if you're like a tiny king or queen, you, you'll be able to see everything that's going on. You mentioned earlier about how the fans are quieter than normal. What are some other unique aspects about Japanese fans that are different from North American wrestling fans? Hmm, that's a very good question. I think it's not so much the fans, but the way that they're able to interact with the talent and within hmm. the companies is that a lot of the promotions in Japan have very specific fan clubs. So you can like you pay your membership fee and you're able to buy merchandise or like limited edition merchandise or you know ticket presales, all of those sorts of things. And we don't have those outside of Japan. Right. Uh, in like like WWE, there's no WWE. Like there's plenty of fans of WWE or you know insert promotion name here, but there's no specific like fan club where there's special events or you know opportunities to go to like talk shows where the talent are present. And the frustrating thing as a fan who lives internationally is that we can't often get access to those fan clubs that are in Japan as well. Mm. So it's it's like some of them have tried to establish like the international version of that. And while that's great and all, it's still, you know, separate, but not necessarily equal. So it's like I like it makes me miss living there because there's so many different opportunities to do other activities with other fans in Japan. You talked about the Tokyo Dome earlier, and one of the things I love about watching pro wrestling in Japan are the venues. Of course, the Tokyo Dome is perhaps the most famous, but there's tons of other really iconic places like Rogoku, aka Sumo Hall, where yes, they have both sumo and pro wrestling. Uh, one I really like is Shinjuku Face, which only holds a few hundred people, so no matter where you sit, it's a great view. It's kind of surreal that the seventh floor of this random skyscraper in a major shopping district could be holding a pro wrestling event at any moment. Do you have a favorite pro wrestling venue in Japan? When I went to Japan back in 2020, I did not get a chance to go to Korakuen Hall. Mm. And that was before the pandemic. That's when the the balconies at Korakuen were standing room only. People would fight to get there, like up, they run up the stairs of Korakuen Hall to get to the fifth floor <laughs> to be able to fill these balconies. And when I went uh, for back in November, I went to historic crossover and a couple of shows after that were new Japan was having the super junior tag league and the world tag league, uh, for work purposes, I was able to sit in the balcony of Korakuen hall and watch oh. these shows. <laughs> and it was, you know, 
last year Kodak and Hall celebrated its 60th birthday or anniversary. So it's like, and it's our version of Madison Square Garden. It is like the heart and soul, like the sacred land of combat sports in Japan. So for me, going to Kodak and Hall, even though like I know there's countless shows they get run there, lots of people have been to it. But for me, it was to finally go there after nearly 20 years. Cause it was a very big deal for me. <laughs> um, I'll never forget going to Shinkiba first ring. And it's not <laughs> being from Florida. Uh, I have very thin blood. So it's like, I get very cold very easily. And when I went to, it was my very first stardom show in 2020. I was in the last row against the wall, like the wall that has like, it's just like a, it felt like a, like a tin roof <laughs> kind of metal sc- scaffolding and it was so cold like i could feel the draft just like pouring in under this tiny like it felt like a little like w- woodshed out in the middle of nowhere and god bless the guy who sat next to me because he could tell that i was really cold i had my you know my parka <laughs> on i was trying to stay warm and enjoy the show he gave me his jacket and then another one like put his jacket on my lap and just kind of like <laughs> they could tell i was have i was trying to have fun but i was also very miserable <laughs> And the other one for wrestling that's not in Tokyo, I've been to the uh, Edion Arena. Oh, yes. I went to, I got to see a stardom show there before I went to Tokyo this last time. I've been to Osaka Joe Hall, but not for wrestling. Uh, back when I lived over there, I, well, I am still a huge fan, but uh, Masaharu Fukuyama is one of my favorite Japanese singers. And a colleague helped me get a ticket to one of his shows. It was standing room only, but it was in Osaka Joe Hall. So for me, whenever I see Osaka Castle Hall on TV, it it brings back more my memory of going to see his concert as well as seeing Sting, the singer, not Sting like the wrestler, (laughs) perform there. So it's I want to check that off from a wrestling standpoint as well, but I have to find the right timing to go there. Uh, Maybe one day I can go see a Dominion there because that's usually when it's the height of summer and that's like their big summer show for them the other one i really want to check off the list that i haven't had the chance to is the kbs hall in kyoto with the giant wall of stained glass have you ever seen pictures of it i've seen it but i haven't been there yet (laughs) i've never been but there's an uh, english wrestler he goes by the name of Pac. he used to be in wwe by the name of adrian neville or neville and he uh freelanced and worked with dragon gate and he went he got to perform in that in the uh, that venue i'm going to not say the expletive he used in it. he was like but that's <laughs> some stained glass like he like this guy is a complete like what we call a heel character like a bad guy character your villain you know your anti-hero <laughs> and for him to just sit there and compliment the gorgeous beautiful stained glass for aesthetic purposes i'm just like i appreciate you so yeah <laughs> so every time i see a show that a wrestling show that's there i'm like i just want to go there just once Walk us through a pro wrestling event in Japan. What are some of the staples of a live Japanese wrestling experience? And what are some of the things that surprised you the most when you first started to attend? Getting into the building can feel like a madhouse, but also very orderly (laughs) at the same time. uh, Because you have to queue up in line. uh, You have to find the end of the line. Uh, usually if you're in a fan club, you get to enter the venue earlier, meaning you get to, if there's a meet and greet, you get to participate in that. Or if there's a photo op, you get to participate in that. You get to go to you get first shot at the merch line. I think the biggest thing for me was that I didn't know that most uh, promotions, more of the smaller ones, will stay open during their intermissions and then after the show to do signings and selling items and stuff like that. But a lot of them will close their merch stand very shortly after the show starts. Mm. So if you don't get in line and buy the things you want to buy, 
you're out of luck. You either have to hope they have, you know, you can have somebody get in line or you can go to another show and pick it up. Or, you know, you can find it on the internet. <laughs> or if they have a standalone store where you can just pop in before the show. But yeah, also concessions is another thing. Like in the United States, concessions are, especially, you know, that's where they make all their money, where they're, you know, selling alcohol or selling beer, selling snacks, whatever. That was another one where they had the concessions open at the beginning as people were coming in but then closed them during the show. So you couldn't like get like a, sh- a midway, a snack or, you know, a drink midway through. There's no, there's no water fountains either. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but the, the biggest thing for me, uh, there's two. Uh, one is in regards to concessions, you can often, depending on the venue you're at, bring your own food there. And I'm not just talking like, like a rice ball. I mean, people are bringing like bento boxes. They're bringing like liters of water or, you know, they're bringing beer. They're bringing, like, they're bringing all their own stuff. So like, if like my friend keeps telling you that next time that we're in Japan together and we go to a wrestling show, we want to go to, we don't want to go to real Goku together to Sumo Hall. Cause he's like, we could put together the best like convenience store, like charcuterie plate and like have like a picnic. <laughs> Because that's how, like, we have a very similar taste when it comes to food. But it's one of those things that blows my mind. I'm like, I don't have to, like, try to sneak in, like, like in my pockets, in the back of, like, of my, the depths of my purse, like, something to sustain me during the show. Or I'm not going to have security, like, upend my bag and shake it out and take all my stuff. And the other thing is cameras. People are bringing, like, DSLR cameras with, like, telephoto lenses to take photos. So, like, no matter where you're sitting in the show, you're getting, like, very high res good quality photos of anybody participating in the ring and it's normal like you're not having Mm. security telling you to put your camera away or to taking video with your smartphone you can't you shouldn't do it you can't do it in japan you can't do it in the the states you're not supposed to do it don't do it i don't recommend it (laughs) that was the one of the biggest shocks for me was like people are bringing these giant cameras and like I'm like, just like i would i like my next trip i have to sell i have to buy a nice camera before my next trip but yeah, that those are probably the biggest things. The other one, and this is probably one when, when it goes back to the, like, how the manners of the audiences, is that when I went to Korakuen Hall for the first time, it was the same day as Historic Crossover, which was New, New Japan and Stardom's very first co-promoted show, which included, mm. you know, New Japan is a you know men's promotion, fifty years of history. Stardom is a women's promotion. Uh, ju- they're celebrating their 12th anniversary this year, but they're both owned by a parent company called Bushi Road. And Bushi Road acquired Stardom back in October of 2019. And from that point on, every now and then they would start featuring Stardom shows on New- on Wrestle Kingdom, which was you know this that's their big marquee event every year. And then they started doing you know YouTube social media crossovers and cross promotions and different things like that. And as as the time progressed up until last summer, uh, they announced that New Japan was going to have a women's championship mm. and a men's promotion. And that was for when they you know trying to get on the what they call the international standard, which is like your WWEs, your AEWs, companies that have men's men's and women's wrestling all in one show. So it was it was very interesting because. Part of that announcement also involved the announcement of a crossover, a fully crossover card, which had men's men's matches, women's matches, and mixed matches where talent from both companies would compete together in a tag team format. And I asked my friend, I'm like, if I have to pick between going to Wrestle Kingdom and going (laughs) to historic crossover, which would you recommend? And he told me, he's like, as someone who covers Japanese women's wrestling and stardom in particular, your, and despite and your love for New Japan, 
as much as you would love to go to Wrestle Kingdom, you've been to Wrestle Kingdom, you've seen the Tokyo Dome, it's not going to be that much different. Mm. But there's only going to be one first ever, first ever <laughs> when it comes to historic crossover. And, and he's like, and we don't even know if there's going to be another one. So if it, this might be your one and only chance. So that's why I went to Japan in November for historic crossover, which is at Ariaki Arena. That's another venue. Absolutely gorgeous. If you can go to a show at Ariaki or a sporting event there, it was built for the Olympics. So it's like it's very new, very they have Wi-Fi. So if you're a traveler struggling to find Wi-Fi, the Ariaki Arena has Wi-Fi. But it was an absolutely gorgeous place to watch a show. You mentioned this earlier, but entertainment company Bushiroad owns two of the biggest promotions in Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling and Stardom. Could you shed some light on who Bushiroad is and how they got involved in the wrestling scene? Bushiroad does a lot of trading card games. Um, yes. They do a lot of like also smartphone games and that that sort of like pop culture anime marketing. They do have a kakutogi or combat sports brand that has, you know, included the acquisition of New Japan and Stardom. One of their non-wrestling things that I enjoy is their their animated series called Vanguard uh, Overdress. Mm. And the card game that's associated with that, like I'm learning how to play. They've actually released, uh, they've started releasing decks in English. So it's like a, it's like a fight, like, kind of like Yu-Gi-Oh! Or your, your Magic the Gathering. It's like a fighting, uh, co- competitive <laughs> trading card fighting game. Right. So it's like a little, little bit of analog, but it's very it's a very difficult market to break into if you're not if you're not familiar with it so like for me it's like i've just been collecting cards and like different versions of it but yeah that's tends to be more of their things is they do a lot of um not so much like vtubers or virtual idols but they do have like animated style like music musical groups and idol groups too Mm. so it's like it's it's very fascinating to me that they have such a wide scope in the entertainment market but I'm always willing and curious to learn more about their company, especially now that they're starting like New Japan is and Stardom are both gaining international acclaim and international popularity. And that's mm. largely in part to their marketing with Bushi Road um, because they like, Stardom from the acquisition, if I'm not mistaken, they've quadrupled, if not done more than that, of their bottom line since oh, wow. Bushi Road purchased them. So it's one of those things where it's like they put the marketing genius of like Japanese idol culture and pop culture behind a group of very capable, able, talented female wrestlers. And they're they have like idol status, basically. You know, they have t-shirts, they've got keychains, they've got all kinds of different merchandise that you can you can acquire. They do so much promotion. And in the United States, I think back in I want to say in 2019 at Anime Expo, Bushi Road actually featured new japan talent and some stardom talent in x and like they had like a, they set up a ring at the at the venue and you know people are you know they're going to meet their favorite you know voice actors and going to panels and then they're passing a pro wrestling ring where there's actual like wrestling going on so it's one of those things where it's cool because they're breaking into a market wrestling fans and like nerd culture fans there's a bit of a crossover in us because you know right. we you know, a lot of us probably got our start with like comic books or video games or anime. I was a Nintendo kid growing up and then I, I switched over to PlayStation and now I have both. <laughs> and, you know, anime is, you know, that's become when I was a child or child meaning in high school, that's when anime started getting gaining popularity in the States. And it was like, you know, back then you were the weird kid who kind of enjoyed it. But now it's like anyone and everyone is talking about there's anime this, anime that, there's like themed cafes. It's it's just it's fascinating how you know how the culture for it, like that's been imported from Japan 
not just wrestling itself, has started to shape modern popular culture here in the United States hmm. and gotten into like fashion, into, into film style and stuff like that. And speaking of fashion, let's talk a bit about Japanese wrestling merch. What's some Japanese wrestling merch that you own? And what are some typical items that a lot of fans in Japan buy? Oh gosh, what don't I have? I have, <laughs> <laughs> there There are many, like, like I said, the marketing genius of Japanese wrestling companies just blows my mind. Like, you know, we're used to, in the United States, usually it's like a wrestling t-shirt or, you know, like late, lately more companies started to do more, like, you know, they do socks and they do like housewares, like, you know, your co- coffee mug. And those are all cool and all, but like promotions in Japan, they're not just releasing t-shirts, black t-shirts. No, no, no. They're, they, they're picking like colorful designs that are really great. They're picking quality uh, fabrics. Uh, I actually, a couple of summers ago during the pandemic, I ordered a stardom tracksuit <laughs> <laughs> from Japan. And it was, it was like, it was only, they only had a reservation window for a very short time. And if you didn't order during that time, you couldn't get one. So for me, it was like fi- that finally arriving in the mail was kind of like a bit of a triumph for me. Mm. Um, but, you know, they also have, you know, they do, they do stuffed animals. They do keychains. Uh, what else? I'm trying to look at all the stuff I have hanging in my office. I have, you know, CDs that have like all the theme music from wrestlers on. They do autographed photographs. Uh, I actually have DVDs. So like Yano Toru, uh, one of the wrestlers in New Japan, he produces DVDs featuring the members of his unit called Chaos. Um, and every few years he releases a DVD where they go on like an overnight trip somewhere in Japan, whether they go to, they're going to Nobori Betsu up in Hokkaido and staying at a Japanese inn for the night and going sightseeing, or they're going, they're doing like a Japanese, like school drama setting where everyone's like dressed up, like they're all in high school again. And it's like that you don't see wrestling promotions in the States doing those kinds of things or releasing (laughs) cookbooks or magazines, like or, or photo books where it's just like, you know, they have, they pick a particular talent and they, you know, they get to do like a, a, the whole thing is an editorial spread of them doing, you know, wearing different costumes or clothing or posing and traveling. And so it's one of those things where it's like, some of it feels very uniquely Japanese. And also they, they also mass produce like, you know, uh, cheering towels or, you know, like things that it's useful item like i i have more japanese wrestling towels <laughs> than i know what to do with <laughs> because in japan it's like you pick you buy a towel for your favorite wrestler and instead of break bringing a sign to a show you just like wave the towel in the audience and then you know the wrestler right. comes out they see the towel they point to the towel they're like hey thanks like it's kind of like they're acknowledging the fans that are cheering for them mm. without having to like hand print or hand like like there are people who make you know like uchiwa paper fans for their favorite wrestlers or they make like cardboard signs but the thing is, is that the towels, they're probably like an athletic towel size, but they're a little bit bigger than the regulation, like, si- like signs sizes. So people get away with like having, big, like, you know, being able to hold like a giant bath towel for your favorite wrestler. And yes, I do have a couple of giant bath towels <laughs> for my re- for some of my favorite wrestlers. It's the kind of marketing that don't do here, simply. Right. And I, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to find ways to acquire certain things that I've wanted, especially when it comes to like books or DVDs, because for me, I use those as silly as it sounds. I use those to help keep my Japanese learning, my Japanese listening and reading skills sharp. Textbooks are great and all, you know, study apps are great and all listening to you know YouTubers talk in Japanese is fine. But for me, it's also, I get to incorporate my hobby, but also continue learning about it through using the native language that it's being pro- uh, produced in. 
We are still early in the year, so what's something wrestling-related that you're looking forward to in 2023? I think the biggest one for me, even though I doubt I'll be able to go see it, is in April at the Yokohama Arena, Stardom is putting on the All-Star Grand Queendom, which will be the first time there's been women's wrestling in that venue in nearly 30 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it, it's a, from the sounds of it, it's going to be a very highly produced show that where they could possibly bring in either, you know, very famous names, not just from stardom, from Japanese women's wrestling. And because, you know, the international women's uh, freelance market's very hot right now, uh, it's possible that they could bring some big international names over as well. Mm. I'm, my only hope is that they, they make it available for pay-per-view since, you know, a 30 or $40 pay-per-view ticket would be cheaper than a, you know, an international flight. Uh, but if someone <laughs> wants to, like, be my fairy godparent and send me to Japan for this, I would not be <laughs> mad at it. Um, so right now, that's probably the biggest one for me. Also, at the beginning of March, New Japan is doing their All-Star Super Juniors tournament or Super Junior show where they're going to have, I think, 20, 20 to 25 Japanese promotions and have their junior heavyweights, which are wrestlers that are typically under 220 pounds or under 100 kilograms. Uh, they do like typically a fast-paced, high-flying style. So for those who are familiar with older WWE, your Eddie Guerrero's, your Dean Malenko's, or if you're into Lucha Libre, which is the Mexican style of wrestling, that's basically anyone regardless of weight class. Mm. Um, but they're working, It's and it's... A very unique situation because they're working with nearly nearly every Japanese men's promotion as well as freelancers and s- several international promotions to send talent all to this one supercard show. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge supercard fan. If you can bring me put like bring companies together to put on a really great show or bring in like unique talent from around the world, it makes you realize how large not just the world is, but how large the scope of wrestling is because for me, especially when I was in college and up until I left J- for Japan, all I ever knew was WWE or WWF at the time. And it was a very, it was very one style, uh, very dated, now very dated uh, way of doing wrestling promotion. And you know, the portrayal of men and women at, at that time was very much late nineties, early two thousands. <laughs> and it's very different today. So for me, I think that would probably be the biggest one. Of course, a couple of my favorites in the next couple of weeks are all, they're having big matches and going for championships, and that's always a good time. But I think those two events in particular are probably the ones that are on my radar the biggest. And last question, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who is going to win the G1 and who is going to win the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix for 2023? (sighs) All right. So Five Star Grand Prix. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard because it's still very early in the year. My gut tells me that it if, if Starlight Kid doesn't win the Cinderella tournament, it might be her because mm. she has not won either tournament and she hasn't won any singles championship other than the uh, high speed and the future of stardom championship. She hasn't been able to get the wonder or the world. Starlight Kid is probably my the one I would put the most energy into uh i would love Ozmi to win it but i don't know if they're brave enough to let her win it (laughs) even (laughs) though they're both the same age i would because both of them grew up in stardom i would love to see either of them win um you know we've had in the last year we've had back-to-back winners from donna del mundo first with shuri and then with julia this past time 
Um, but yeah, those would be my two for that. For the G1, I have a feeling that if they don't leave the company, it could either be one of three people and none of them are Japanese. It could either be Zack Sabre <laughs> Jr., Will Ospreay, or Jay White. Those are the three I'm going with. Well, awesome, Karen. I'm glad I got to chat with you about Japanese pro wrestling. Where can people find you? If you are interested in my Japanese wrestling journey, or, you know, just talking about wrestling in Japan or Japan in general, because I'm also a huge fan of learning Japanese calligraphy, kimono, and yes, I do play ultimate or, you know, girls video games. Uh, so that's, uh, you can follow me over at Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Hey Karen Sensei. Uh, if you want more in-depth information about professional wrestling in particular, I work uh, for post-wrestling. Uh, I usually do stardom coverage as well as women's wrestling coverage and New Japan and Renoa. Basically, anything that's going on in the Japanese wrestling scene, my name's probably near it or around it, and that's postwrestling.com. Just look up my name. And if you are, you know, someone who enjoys magazine formats, I do occasionally write for uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which you can find in the grocery store, which was really weird my, when my mom found my my debut article in the grocery store and like she took a picture of it and sent it to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like my friends are just like you're you're in the grocery store and I'm like yeah, every now and then yeah it's kind of a thing but yeah I hope that this listening to this episode you might be a little bit more curious and wanting to learn and I am more than welcome to help teach you so come on and enjoy the ride. Great and listeners the links to everything will be in the podcast description. Karen Peterson, once again, thanks for joining me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode. If you are interested in grabbing some merch from New Japan Pro Wrestling or Stardom, Bushi Road's official shop is partnered with World Shopping. You'll see the World Shopping banner appear on the bottom of Bushi Road's product pages, allowing you to buy a lot of cool things we talked about today quickly and easily. No Japanese credit card required. And we can also buy items from any shop in Japan. Search World Shopping Global for more information and start shopping today. You can also find World Shopping on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. The links are in the podcast description as well. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. See you later, or in Japanese, matane!